BloggingTheRedSox.com podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Campbell. And today, I'm happy to be joined by uh, the Red Sox's Director of Marketing, Kelsey Doherty. Kelsey, uh, thank you for joining me today and happy uh, one week to go until opening day day. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I can't believe we're, we're seven days out. Put the tweet out today. So uh, it's all happening. <laughs> well, first and foremost, I just want to say uh, thank you not only for coming on, but um, you probably replied to questions I've asked the Red Sox Twitter account before over the years. So again, just want to say thank you. Happy to. That's that's what we're there for. Love the questions. So just first off, what does your role as the Red Sox's director of marketing entail? And what are maybe like the key differences between that, if there are any, between being the team's senior manager of marketing and the director of marketing? Um, yeah, so um, I kind of came up through the social media path at the Sox. So um, recently have become the director of marketing, um, but have been in the marketing department uh, for for quite some time now, I'm going into my ninth season with the Sox. Um, I started in 2012 as day of game staff um, and have uh, stuck around since. And, um, you know, in, in this marketing role, I am handling a lot of the digital communication, working closely with everyone in our marketing department and across several departments, including, you know, ticketing today, tickets went on sale. So that's, that's been a big project. Um, but uh, I do have my hands heavily in social still um, and work alongside my coworker, Maria, who handles a lot of the day to day on, you know, all of our social channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, YouTube, um, you know, you name it. You know, we we are handling all of it and, you know, engaging with fans, making sure we're putting out information regarding the team, the season. There's a lot of communication that has to go out this season, uh, you know, with fans returning to the ballpark. Um, so working closely across a lot of departments to make sure we're communicating all of that. And then, of course, covering the team itself um, and, you know, showcasing who these players are, what they're about, you know, what the season is about and, you um, you know, excited to cover 162 games this season rather than 60 and have fans at the ballpark. Um, so it's a lot of coordinating the content on that front, working with our creative services department and others, uh, you know, to, to make sure we're getting all the messaging out there. As uh, uh, covering the team and the players uh, become more difficult with this new uh, tenure with all the moves uh, being made, like since Heim Bloom took, took over, basically. I mean, I'm having fun with it. I think, you know, there's a lot of fun young personalities. I think the excitement of prospects and guys coming up like the hype around Bobby Dahlbeck or, you know, even a Jaron Duran, um, you know, who hasn't made it to the majors kind of, you know, knowing that there are guys ready to come up and play a role in this team. And I really do enjoy, you know, like, even last season, I know it was a tough season, but like to see like a Tanner Houck or a Nick Pavetta come up and and have some really strong outings, I think that's exciting. Um, you know, Alex Verdugo, I am all about marketing him um, and whatever we can do to showcase his personality. I think, you know, for us, and I've always said this, it's, you know, so much of what we do depends on the product on the field. And, you know, we don't want to force a storyline on any one player or on the team itself. So um, it's a lot of fun to have these guys with personalities or like a Kike Hernandez coming in, um, you know, who we already have seen his personality with the Dodgers. And he has a reputation around the league of, you know, being a fun guy, obviously, 
you know, utility is a big theme this, uh, this spring with, you know, uh, you know, Marwin or like a Danny Santana signing and obviously Kike. Um, and so to have some fun with that, um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I think there's going to be some fun dugout moments and things to capitalize on. So, you know, it's, it's a little different of an approach, um, you know, but I think there's, there's nothing but opportunity right now. And, and that's, that's exciting. And with that opportunity, is like, is there any pressure, I mean, in maintaining like the online voice of the Red Sox? Yeah. So it's, you know, it's always tricky. And again, it all depends on the product on the field. And, you know, we know when we can or can't chirp, you know, last season, we, we laid pretty low on social, um, you know, after, after tough loss, if someone's coming at you pretty hard, um, you know, we're, we know where we stand in 2018, um, you know, you know, we could say anything and everything, you know, best team in the league, you have the freedom to just chirp and, you know, and, and kind of have some fun. And every time you hit send on a post, um, you think about like, how can this be reshared or quote retweeted, um, you know, negatively, or in six months, how could this be viewed? And, and you can't win them all ever. Um, we know. Um, but that being said, I think, you know, going into this year, I think there's some excitement. There's a little bit of that uh, underdog piece. You know, people aren't expecting a whole lot of this team. You know, we've put out a lot of quote graphics and the guys have said a lot of things about don't sleep on us. And, you know, that message has been shared and, and you know, people know the underdog message. But I do think we get to have some fun. We do sit back every offseason and think about sort of how we tee ourselves up for the upcoming season on social, what is our voice or tone? And, and a lot of it comes out naturally, you know, seventh inning things go off and you have a real opportunity to just have some fun or something clicks and you're like, there's, you know, there's the perfect copy or there's the perfect post to, to fit this moment. Um, you know, I think a lot of our best posts are not things that were like planned for days in advance, but they fit perfectly in a moment, given a circumstance in a game, you know? So, uh, I think we're, we're always ready to have fun, but we also know that there's a balance and we, as the Red Sox, particularly on social, we, we want to be clear, we care very deeply and we don't want to make light of losses. I know in sports, there are some teams that do and some teams that don't, we understand just like our fans, there's nothing funny about losing. Um, and so we're not about to, to go have fun after, you know, dropping a couple games or, you know, blowing a save or anything like that, but we will have a lot of fun with a win. Um, so, you know, that's kind of, kind of our approach. I'm just based off the point you made about losses. I don't know if you remember, but in 2016, I believe it was, there was a game, the Red Sox lost to the Angels, like 21 to two or something. So do you remember covering that if you were there that day? And what was that like? I... I got to be honest. I, I know I covered that game. Um, I don't remember too much about it in terms of like the brutal loss. You get to a point in a loss where, you know, there's only so much you can say or do. And, you know, there are times where, you know, if a position player pitches, you're like, do we have fun with this? Do we not? And it's a very much a read, a read the room. And there are some times where we feel like we can have fun with it. And there are other times where it's like, oh, maybe not, you know, so uh, sometimes it's better to just go quiet and know that you pick up tomorrow and uh, try and get the W the next day. <laughs> you know, that kind of segues into my next question, because I read that in 2018, you played a role in rebranding the teams as social media and developing a new social strategy. 
So uh, what did that look like from the inside? Yeah, so we kind of took a step back in the off season of 2017 and really mapped out a social media guide. Um, and, you know, it was literally everything from, you know, if, if it's a loss, if it's a win, if it's a sales message, if it's, you know, sponsored content, if we're looking at just memes, if someone is chirping us, how do we reply? You know, if a team comes after us, you know, what circumstance. So basically it was like, if someone opened that, it's like, if this, then that. And, but nothing is ever a hard and fast rule in social media. And I do believe that. And, you know, over the years we adjust because social changes so much, you know, when we made that guide, like TikTok wasn't a thing, um, you know, so, and stories weren't really what they are on Instagram. So things evolve obviously. And, and we do our best to change with them, but I do believe that there are no hard and fast rule. Like, it's not like if, you know, if we lose, then we're absolutely not posting. Or if we win, then we absolutely need X, Y, Z. It's like, ideally, this is what we're going for. But again, always read the room and consider who we're playing. What else is happening in the world? Are things, you know, is it insensitive to post something at a given time? Um, you know, just thinking about, yes, maybe it's a win, but is it coming after a losing streak? Is it, you know, one loss after, you know, a 10 game win streak? That's a different situation. Um, can be a little lighter with that. You know, what players played a role in a given game? Who's the winning pitcher? So just thinking about every circumstance and, and knowing that it, there's no, there's no dead set rule um, ever, but um, there are ways to approach different situations. You talked about uh, just like the changes in social media with like with TikTok and Instagram stories. So how has um, those additions, like how have they changed your responsibilities over the years? Yeah. So um, our social team is two to two and a half people in terms of who's hitting send on a given post. We bring on a seasonal role to, to help out. And then we have designers on and we work very closely with our uh video Red Sox Productions um, department and our photographers and creative services. So we have a lot of people involved, um, but like TikTok is so different. You know, what works on other channels doesn't work necessarily on TikTok. And, you know, we, we always understand there's no one size fits all for any social platform ever. Um, that being said, uh, TikTok feels like an extreme case in the sense where you know, some one fun iPhone clip still needs to be edited up to music and a bunch of different things. So TikTok does take time and it is a lot more planned out, I think, than it comes across or feels. You know, you want it to feel organic, but we have to think about, okay, we want to capture this moment. We need to find this video clip, uh, you know, and that being said, hopefully as COVID restrictions lift up a little bit, uh, you know, we're able to bring a little bit more behind the scenes. Uh, to fans. And I think TikTok is going to be a great place for that, whether it's in the batting cages, the clubhouse, uh, some different things there. So there's definitely a different strategy and we have to allocate time to, to map out and edit and build out these TikToks. But I think it will be an opportunity to really showcase some player personality, um, you know, as we get into the season. Are there any features you feel like a becoming obsolete or aren't really necessary, like Snapchat or uh, Twitter fleets, for example? 
Yeah, we've, I think we've posted two or three fleets still, you know, getting a feel for it and trying to figure out, you know, the best approach. The Rockies actually are having a lot of fun. They do, um, they have a fleet board. And so every day they post a quote or a message on a whiteboard and they just take a picture and post it um, on fleets, which is, which is fun. Um, You know, and I want to make sure that if we're posting things there, it's meaningful, it's not redundant. So we'll, we'll figure it out as the season goes on. And, you know, we're not seeing a ton of people using it. So um, as far as where we allocate the resources, I, I would rather bring people content on Instagram story where I know they're watching, um, you know, and make sure that we are providing the most content to the most people and just connecting with as many fans as possible. Um, There's a reason people follow us on those channels and we want to make sure we're delivering. Um, You know, we owe that to, to every fan and social follower. Uh, We want to make sure we're bringing the best content we can. Um, You know, Snapchat has definitely evolved and changed over the years. Um, it's a place where we don't post quite as often, but I really do like the idea of that feeling like it's just the social media team. You know, it's just a couple of us there posting. It's a little bit more behind the scenes. You know, I've done whole stories of following a pigeon down the first baseline, and, uh, you know, just random things, you know, organic things that happen in the moment. Uh, so I still like Snapchat. It's definitely shifted in how we post there. It's not every game update or anything like that. But, you know, if you see a bizarre moment or some behind the scenes opportunity, absolutely go for it. We did a lot of cardboard cutout stories there last year. <laughs> you know, it's the perfect place to to share that. You mentioned covering the team last year. How difficult was it to come up with stuff to uh, produce during that summer camp phase? Because that was like a brand new thing. Yeah. Uh, so with summer camp, it was, it was a bizarre feeling, you know, you're at Fenway park, it's empty. Um, you're playing these inner squad games. Suddenly there's one outfielder, you know, Tom Goodwin is out there shagging balls. And, you know, by the time we're in what might be the sixth inning, you're not even sure. Uh, so it was a little crazy with those sim games, but, um, I think, we were able to have a lot of fun with the inter-squad games and, you know, just play off the quirkiness of it, you know, and it was different in terms of, you know, access in order to keep everyone safe. Um, you know, there wasn't a lot of staff down on the field. Players were kept kind of separated. Um, instead of being in the clubhouse, they were in suites. So things were a little bit different and, you know, we had to get a little creative. We were able to do a lot of live streaming with the SIM games, which was great. Um, I, think whatever we can do on the live streaming front is great. And we've been pushing on that again. We just, we want to bring as much of the Red Sox to as many people as possible and, and live streaming, um, you know, has provided us with that. So we were able to test a lot with live streaming during summer camp and, um, you know, and we were just so happy to have baseball back, you know, it's just that, that relief you're, you know, it's June, July, and you're, you're finally able to post about real baseball and workouts and, you know, see the guys back on the field. So, so that was exciting. And I know you mentioned wanting to get, uh, get players personalities out there. So I wanted to ask about like, how closely do you work with players in particular? Like just like last fall, Alex Verdugo did that tour at Fenway Park. So I was curious what kind of role you had in that. Yeah. So we work social photo video work pretty closely with the players, um, you know, and we, we've done some cool things in going into 20 was that 2020. um, We were able in the off season to visit some of the guys at home to like 
um, JD and Eddie, um, Matt Barnes, Christian Vasquez in the off season, do those visits and see them with their families, their off season workouts, things like that. So we love being able to coordinate that, those types of things with them um, and also provide them with things to share on their own channels. Um, you know, so, and they, they are usually very open and willing to do, you know, any home tour workouts, whatever it might be, which is, which is really great. And like you mentioned, uh, Verdugo last year, he stuck around a few days after the season ended. And so he had to come into the park to drop some things off in the clubhouse and ship some things home. And, you know, we were like, what are you up to? You got a few minutes. And, and he was absolutely willing to work with us, which is so great, uh, especially in a season where it was hard to, to have as much access. So, um, you know, we just wandered around Fenway, chatted, talked to him and, you know, within a few hours, we were able to do shoots for Red Sox magazine, some interviews, bring him into the monster, just walk around the park. Um, and he's, I mean, his personality, he's, he's awesome. So he, he makes our life easy and, and we really do. We have some great personalities that make our jobs very easy, which is fantastic. All you could ever ask for. Um, so, you know, that one came about pretty naturally and, and we were able to, to turn out a lot of content from it um, because, you know, Dougie just, he gives, he gives us the content without us, anyone needing to try, which is fantastic. And whose idea was it to have Matt Barnes and his wife do a gingerbread uh, building contest over the off season? So that came out of, um, I believe, uh, Red Sox Productions, uh, the whole video department you know, it was talked about amongst a few people and us. And, you know, we tossed around some ideas. Uh, you know, we had worked with Matt and Chelsea before in the past for a home visit and things like that for, you know, the crib style tour. And they're, they're great. And we thought this could be a fun, quirky thing and made sure they had gingerbread house kits. And we just, we hopped on Zoom. It was a few of us. And basically we just casually chatted with them while they they built the gingerbread houses and then you know added some some fun sound effects and graphics packages to it and you know made it super campy but they're really really fun and they were just down to to hang out and do that they love christmas and the holidays they go all out decorating and they talk about it in that piece so it was an easy fit for for that uh is there any part of you that wishes more red sox players uh I mean, a lot of them are active on Instagram, but I just think more of them could be a little more active on uh, Twitter, in my opinion. Yeah, our guys are kind of quiet on on Twitter, um, you know, definitely more active on on Instagram. I mean, I really think it's up to the individual guy. Some guys, it's just like it's not really their thing, um, you know, and they they some guys it's like my job is to play baseball and that's what I'm going to do. And that's fine. Um you know, so I'm, I'm not bothered by it at all. I think, you know, whatever their comfort level is, and, you know, we're always happy to work with guys if they have questions or, you know, have some guys that ask about getting verified or, you know, might have questions about where to get photos. And, you know, we're, we're always happy to support them on, on any platform. But, you know, I think it's totally up to the individual. Um, they're the ones that have to read at mentions. <laughs> um, so, you know, whatever they're comfortable with, uh, you know, I'm okay with it. And on that note of Twitter, whose idea was it to change the Red Sox Twitter bio to that famous uh, Dustin Pedroia quote about the laser show? 
A couple years ago, I had 60 at bats. I was hitting 170, and everyone was ready to kill me, too. What happened? MVP. Laser show. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, uh, we changed that uh, the day uh, he announced his retirement. Um, and we were like, you know, that is like peak quintessential Dustin Pedroia. Um, you know, obviously everyone knows that quote. Um, you know, it is what made him the laser show. So, you know, it just kind of fit. We had tossed around some just general ideas um, as a social team. And that was one that was like, oh, let's, you know, if we're going to change the avatar and the cover photo for the day, let's change the the bio. And, you know, I was, we've left it because it's, it's a nice little ode to, to Dustin, um, you know, so until something comes along, I think we'll, we'll leave it there in the bio. Um, you know, we might change it to some countdowns or things like that. Or, you know, before that, I think we had uh, a reminder that the mask goes over your nose as the bio. Um, so we like to have fun with it. People know it's the official account of the Red Sox. We don't need that in the bio. So have some fun. You mentioned earlier about uh, repercussions certain tweets could have three years ago, the winter of 2017, after John Carlos Stanton was traded to the Yankees. Red Sox tweeted the rivalry with uh, three fire flame emojis. So I was wondering what your role behind that was. Uh, yeah, so that was <laughs> that came about with, I think, a lot of cooks in the kitchen and a lot of a lot of ideas about how to respond to that. Do we remain silent? Do we there was a long list of different ideas that just got tossed around via text thread, you know, and that's how a lot of one, a lot of our tweets come about and posts is like everyone just bouncing ideas off of each other and text threads. And it started as a couple different ideas and then it kind of got watered down. Like we fully admit that that was not our best tweet. And we poked fun at it all of 2018 after, you know, we know, um, you know, put that on my gravestone, the rivalry with three flames, you know, it was not a good tweet. And immediately upon hitting send, I was like, this is not it. You know, and it's one of those things I think a lot of people think, oh, every tweet goes through a lot of reviews or, you know, a social media manager went rogue um, when there's a bad tweet. And like sometimes it's just the idea sounds better than it is or, you know, you have too many people involved and an idea gets out of control or, you know, you have one idea and people are like, ah, that's a little too much. Bring it down a notch and then you bring it down too many notches and then it's nothing. So. Uh, like fully admit. And then honestly, the social rebrand, like that happened on a Saturday and like that next week I had a social media guide on, on my desk that we had built out. And I was like, this is it. This is what we're adhering to. This is how it's going to go. So a lot was born out of that, that. I mean, that was an ultimate lesson and not to say we haven't sent other bad tweets since then or before then, you're never going to win them all, like I said, but, you know, there's a lot of a lot of people involved, a lot of takes and, you know, just it was a big time miss. Fully admit it. Totally own up to it. Uh, luckily, 2018 was everything you could ever ask for. And we were able to, you know, quote, retweet it after beating one after sweeping the Yankee. Well, Joe Kelly fight sweeping the Yankees in uh, early August that that weekend series were like that was probably the best series I've ever had the pleasure of covering. Um, and then obviously, you know, in the DS and then, you know, so things worked out luckily. I mean, that was all luck. That could have been a bad tweet that then just sat there forever, but we got to have some fun with it. 
and on that same note, how enjoyable was it to compile all the tweets you got after opening day 2018 about how like fire Cora, the team's terrible and then winning the world series a few months later. Yeah. Uh, that was fun. Um, <laughs> gotta be honest, uh, a chance to, to turn things around on the haters is kind of nice. Um, you know, and again, couldn't have scripted it any better. Um, I would say that was probably our worst loss of the season was opening day. Um, you know, and it was just like hitting send on that final score and just knowing what our mentions were going to be like, you know, I sat there and I looked at on opening day, looked at it and I said, all right, we'll save these. And if, if things, things go well, we've got these. And, you know, there are a few times throughout the season where I thought about going back to it, you know, you're in first place, the all-star break and you're like, okay, things feel real. Do you do it? It's like, no, 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 no. This could bite us, you know, a little bit later down the road. And then you clinch and you're like, maybe this is it. And you're like, no, let's, let's wait this out. And so every, you know, again, the stars aligned, uh, the best, best team in club history um, and a world series win. So after I was done all the post-game coverage, the whole social team was done like, I guess I should just go back into these mentions and look. And I think it was around like three or 4 a.m. East Coast time. So I didn't think it would get much traction, but I, I underestimated that and it, it got a decent amount of attention. So got to have fun with that, um, you know, which is and, and the fans that we we kind of had some fun with. They were all great about it, too. Can't be that mad, you know, a few hours after a World Series win. And whose idea was to pr- present that to the players and coaches and Cora uh, for the World Series DVD? Oh, the, um, the like mean tweets. Um, I think MLB did that. Whoever put together the DVD, um, put that all together. I think they shot some of that right before, after the parade. Um, those are super fun. That was great. Uh, turning to more recent times now with the pandemic and everything, how has that changed your job description? Uh, like, do you feel like you've had uh, to be more engaging on social media now that, uh, with like no fans in the stands the past year? Yeah. Um, the, the hardest time was when there was no spring training, no summer camp. And we were just waiting to know if there was baseball. Um, and suddenly everything that our accounts are about and that the Red Sox are about baseball, a team on the field playing games is just gone. That was hard. Uh, you know, you take a step back and you're like, what are the Red Sox without, baseball without games um you know all the guys had gone home and so you start thinking through like what does it mean and and we are lucky people care and our fans are the best and you know truly care about the team even when we're not playing games um and so we decided that we would just try and put out content to one be a distraction from the pandemic two we're thinking about people working from home, parents trying to homeschool their kids. We started a webpage, redsox.com slash home fun that we keep up that has coloring pages and workbooks and STEM books. You know, we, we tried to, you know, do design blitzes with wallpaper Wednesdays, you know, for a couple hours, our designers would be basically just on call for any request on, on social you know, on what would have been opening day, we tried to honor some of the traditions and we created snap lenses that look like portals into Fenway. So that was a really crazy time where 
suddenly, you know, you're stripped of everything that is baseball. But luckily, you know, there's that pride of being a Red Sox fan and being part of Red Sox Nation. And, and you know, people were still really engaging with us. And, and you know, our fans were hanging in there. So we were just trying to support fans and, um, you know, give them a distraction. And then obviously throughout the last year, it's been very different. As a marketing department, we've worked with Nessun on FanCast, where we have fans on Zoom watching the games together. Um, you know, just trying to create some different things that bring Fenway to people when they can't be here. Um, so it's a relief to start getting some fans into the ballpark. I'm, I'm so excited to, to actually see people physically in the park. It was wild to see it all in spring training. You mentioned designers taking requests from fans and whatnot. So uh, would, uh, would you consider uh, the gift of Sox Day every year to be like your Super Bowl or? <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I'd say you know, the social for, for non-baseball content, you know, not a crazy postseason or anything like that for, for a holiday that we just created um, for fun. Um, you know, it's sort of like, what do we have going on in December? Like, let's, let's have fun. Um, yeah. Gift of Socks is a wild time. It is, you know, about 12 hours of insanity uh, for us. You know, we've got people out all over Boston and Massachusetts and sometimes working, you know, across New England, making spur of the moment deliveries and Wally appearances. And, you know, we've got puppies coming into the office and, you know, sometimes with players or prospects. It's wild. (laughs) Uh, It's a lot of fun because it's sort of like anything goes, which is, you know, it's the one day where it's like there are no rules, just throw it out there, see what sticks, have fun with it. We hosted a wedding a couple of years ago. Um, that was insane. Um, you know, the puppies are always great. Like I mentioned, um, you know, we've done all sorts of deliveries to, you know, hospitals, random offices, stopping by school library, you know, college libraries during finals with just a bunch of Duncan. Uh, so we, we get to have so much fun that day. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's, it's stressful to, to plan and coordinate. And the thing is you can plan and plan and plan, but ultimately you're at the whim of every wish that you get. And, you know, it's tens of thousands of, of mentions of the hashtag and we get to as much as we can and, you know, try to fulfill as many wishes. It's a, it's sort of the kickoff to the holidays for us. And how'd you compare covering that Red Sox games in general and um, just to a uh, winter weekend, which didn't happen this year, but yeah. Um, oh man, all chaotic, uh, but a lot of fun, um, you know, covering. So, I mean, winter weekends is a lot of fun. It's, it's crazy. There's so much happening, you know, at any one time you're like, okay, we need to capture so-and-so is signing right now. And we're miking them up while they're signing, but also, you know, we've got a panel with Pedro and Poppy going, you can't miss that. It's like, if you could split us up into 10 different people to just be all over the place. Um, you know, we would, but it's that super collaborative to cover, um, you know, and that is the most concentrated diehard group of fans, um, at winter weekend. Uh, so it's really fun because the excitement for the next year, it's sort of the first time you're seeing next season's team during town hall when they all come out on the field. That's like a moment, you know, so, that's a lot of fun. And obviously gift of socks, like I said, is this 
this chaos of not knowing what's about to come um, and just being ready for it and, and just getting to be crazy and quirky. And then obviously covering games, you know, any given game could suddenly be just the best content you've had all year, or it might not be. You, you just, you come into every night, you know, with a few, few ideas in mind. Is someone making a major league debut? Is someone going for, you know, their 20th win or, you know, is Chris Dale going for his 300th strikeout or, you know, where's JD and, you know, the home runs for the season. You kind of have a few things in mind, some milestones, maybe it's someone's birthday, but then someone goes off and suddenly it's like the Raphael Devers show that night or, you know, Verdugo has that like that game with his two home runs and that crazy catch. And it's like, we went into the night being like, all right, covering another game. What are we doing? And then it's just like, we got photos of Verdugo. We got videos. We've got sound bites. We got quote graphics. Like tonight's about Verdugo. Um, so it all happens quickly um, with a game. And again, I guess with all three things, you're just ready to go. Like you don't know what's going to happen. You can't plan a full content calendar. You just roll with it. And I think the same excitement that any fan feels covering, you know, being at any of these things or watching a game, we're feeling that too. And we're just trying to convey that online. And what do you say to the people who think at any given time, like one player might be getting too much attention themselves from you guys? I mean, I think for us, a lot of it is on team performance and player performance. You know, if someone's going off, like we're absolutely posting every big hit or Homer, or, you know, if it's six shutout innings from a guy, like we're, we're absolutely posting that, you know, that's, that's what it's about. Um, you know, and sometimes some guys get a little bit less coverage. There's only so much you can push out um, at a given time, you know, so try to spread the love always. Um, you know, we, we do have, we have some great guys to cover, but you know, if, if JD's leading the team in home runs, you know, we're posting every dinger. <laughs> um, so, you know, he might be getting more coverage at a given time or, you know, this spring training, Bobby's, you know, hitting grand slams and, you know, so there's Bobby. <laughs> and you mentioned having fans in the stands this year. Um, how does that impact your plans for the 2021 season in terms of the social media game? So, you know, we're excited. I think opening day, we really want to showcase, you know, fans being back. It's so nice to have, um, have them back. It's, you know, it's funny these last few days answering questions about tickets online and questions about returning to the ballpark. And it's, it's been so long, um, you know, last year on social, there wasn't as much like customer service or those moments where, you know, a fan tweets, it's my first time at the ballpark. And we love to do you know, surprise and delight sort of moments. And, uh, you know, be like, Oh, what, welcome to Fenway. Where are you sitting? Someone will be by with, with a prize or, you know, someone might share that it's their, you know, their child's third birthday. Well, let's see if Wally has a minute and, you know, he can stop by, by the, their seats. And so I missed that because those are some of the little moments that, you know, those aren't viral things. Those aren't, things that blow up online. That's not what it's about. It's about like a moment for someone and really experiencing Fenway. Um, so, you know, that will be really nice to have back and, you know, something that we've been missing, you know, on, on social and just as, as a whole, um, you know, for a little bit now. And one thing in particular, Major League Baseball gets criticized for is their inability to like promote the game or the most popular players. So what do you think MLB can do to uh, maybe catch up in popularity to like the NFL and NBA? 
Yeah, I think one, there have been some sh some shifts even in like the last year. Um, I think about like a Fernando Tatis Jr. just like superstar quality, you know, the bat flips, the moments we saw with him last season. Um, you know, I think it's really about capitalizing on that and, you know, the celebrations and the personality, you know, individual plays really are important to the game. Um, you know, and I think there's something to be said. It's funny. We were talking the other day. Some of us just felt like, what is it about baseball? Like what, like why people that love baseball, why do they love it? And, you know, I was talking about there's, there's something about October baseball that is like, you know, a cold September or October, not September, October night, or even in September when you're on the verge of clinching, there's something about that and that feeling. And, and I think it's important to showcase that and have as many people experience that, you know, just that, that tension between pitches when you're watching on TV and you're like, do I change the channel? I don't know if I can watch this. You know, there's runners on the corners. It's a one run game. I think that is truly unique to baseball and, and something that's important. Um, to really showcase and and again individual players you know I know player marketing and player social are such hot topics all the time um, but you know I do think there are some real personalities that are really shining right now and I I think that that's that's important and will continue. Uh, staying on that same sort of topic another reason I want to talk to you today was about the creation of the Red Sox's uh, player development Twitter account again just want to say thank you for that I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, but what went into the creation of that account and what sort of content can we expect from it once the minor league season does begin? Yeah. So one, thank you for, for emailing about that. Uh, for those that don't know, Brendan was uh, some of the inspiration behind it, but um, you know, we worked alongside baseball ops during spring training to get things launched and we're still just launching and getting off the ground. To be honest, I didn't think it would receive as much traction as it did immediately. Um, but I should have known we, we know how diehard everyone is. Um, so that was great to see. Um, so we launched the account, um, you know, after some conversations just about what we wanted it to be, uh, you know, and I think it's important for us to showcase the entire uh, farm system and, you know, you can follow individual affiliates or, you know, from the Woo Sox or, you know, Portland, but I think this is one concentrated place where you'll be able to follow a player's journey through from the draft on. Um, and, you know, we're always careful on the main accounts. You know, you don't want to hype up any one guy too much. Um, you know, that can come crashing down. You know, uh, you just have to think about it in terms of, you know, it's about growth and opportunity and, you know, we have so many major league players to promote and, you know, the full Fenway experience to showcase on the main accounts. It, it felt like this was a good place to, to create, you know, the player dev account. I know, I think six or seven clubs have them. Um, and so we're, we're still working it out. It's funny. Um, you know, I had a conversation with the Woo Sox about making sure that we're, you know, um, able to showcase guys and, and once we get into sim games and things like that for, for those guys featuring them and, you know, and this isn't just about the, you know, Jaron Duran's or Jeter Downs. This is about every guy and then heavily covering the draft, um, which is something that, you know, we do a little bit of, but a real opportunity here. And so we want more of that behind the scenes feeling again, as, as COVID restrictions lift, so we'll get to some of that, um, you know, so 
those are some of the pieces that we're excited about, but um, working closely with our own player development um, crew to, to make that happen and make sure that we're, we're showcasing guys and giving everyone a little bit of a behind the scenes so that when these guys do make it to the majors, uh, you know, we're, we're already rooting for them. I was going to ask about this, but it sounds like there will be coverage on uh, what's going on at the alternate training site in Worcester next month. Uh, yeah. So actually I have, uh, I've been talking to the, the Sox a little bit about that and, you know, we will um, definitely be covering a lot of that, you know, and it could just be some simple video pieces showcasing different guys, um, you know, and we, we do want to get into some more interview style content, just also personality wise community service wise, a lot of these guys early on are so involved in community things. Um, and I don't think everyone realizes that. And, you know, it's crazy. They're, they're just, they're working their way up to the majors and, and fighting for these roster spots, but at the same time, they're doing some great things for the community or social justice. And, uh, you know, this is a great place to, to talk to them about it and allow them to be out there and, and talk about what matters to them. So uh, we will we will be covering the al- the alternate site. And just with the excitement behind all these Red Sox prospects, like I know um, the farm system rankings really haven't changed much over the past year. But do you think that just the fact that there's like more exciting prospects in the system now compared to where they were like two years ago, does that have anything to do with the creation of this uh, player development Twitter account? I mean, I think the timing has been really, really helpful with this. Um, you know, there, there is a lot of excitement, obviously. Um, you know, we, we got a sneak peek of, of some guys at towards the end of last season. And I think the alternate site created a lot of insight um, and sort of this taxi squad concept. So it's, it's definitely uh, a great opportunity right now. I think there is excitement, you know, fans know the names of prospects and minor leaguers, uh, which is always, uh, you know, huge. And so uh, excited to, to get them out there in a different way. And uh, this is the last question for me, uh, but is there any way you can get uh, or convince Raphael Devers to reset his Twitter password? He's been locked out of his account for, uh, I think, the last five years now. <laughs> well, uh, we'll, we'll have to get on that for sure. Uh, make sure. He's, I mean, he's not, not a huge poster on Instagram either, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll make sure we get him, get him back into Twitter. All right. Uh, Kelsey, thank you uh, for your time today. Uh, you can follow Kelsey on Twitter at Kelsey Doherty. Also follow at Red Sox and at Red Sox player <laughs> dev on Twitter. If you haven't done so already, uh, Kelsey, uh, thanks again for coming on today. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And uh, we'll see everyone in season. Yeah, good luck with all your posts and captions and a happy posting. (laughs) Thank you.